The Baltimore Ravens tentatively set their practice squad on Wednesday. We talk about who they added and what it means for the team and so much more coming up next year on this episode of Locked on Ravens. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in here to another edition of Locked On Ravens. We're your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ostreicher of Ravens Wire here with you on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for being here, making us your first listen each and every single day. Free and available, all podcasting platforms, including over in video form on YouTube. Today's episode of Locked On Ravens is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more right now. New customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets. Guaranteed, visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. And we are back. It is a Thursday edition episode. I, I've had my weeks all messed up because of my days of the week. I thought I thought yesterday was Thursday. I thought that today was Friday. It, it's been a wild week because we got the roster cut downs. On Tuesday night, I thought it was going to be afternoon, but the Ravens waited about four or so hours to put those out. And then over the course of Wednesday, we trickled in. We got the practice squad trickling, and I think the Ravens at the time of this recording have one more spot open. Maybe they fill one of their own guys. Maybe they add somebody else. Maybe they're waiting to see what decisions are made. But we have a lot to dive into. I want to talk about the practice squad first. It's been something I've been speculating on all week. We've talked about can they make the best practice squad? How many guys on the team are going to be there? Well, we know it's 15 at least, if not 16. So we'll get into who made the practice squad, what it means for the team, and why it could be a huge benefit to the Ravens, who they added over the course of the 2022, well, 2023 season. 2022 also had a pretty good practice squad. But I think this year it can do a lot. We'll also talk about Odo Beckham Jr., who went on the Retizen show and there were some clips that were posted on Twitter of him and what he had to say had a lot of high praise for the organization and his aspirations. I think he has been around, obviously, a Super Bowl champion team in the Los Angeles Rams and had some things to say about the Ravens. So we'll talk about that. And then also we'll talk about if the Ravens are done adding, if they're going to add anybody else to their active roster besides what we already know is going to happen, anybody from the outside. So we will get into all of that here today. Thank you so much again for being here. We're a five-day-week Ravens podcast, so audio form, video form, same show either way. So if you want to watch one day and then listen another day, totally fine. You're not missing any content. We, of course, go live when big events happen and after every single game, preseason, regular season, postseason, hopefully Super Bowl as well. But let's talk about the practice squad. Let's just go through the names first. Laquan Treadwell, Anthony Brown, Jeremy Lucian, Owen Wright, Ben Mason, Travis Vokalek, Jeremiah Moon, Josh Ross, Sam Mustafer, Tashawn Manning, Tykeem Doss, Sean Ryan, Rayshad Nichols. Now, if you we'll get into this now, actually, let's let's do this first. If there was a name who was not on there that I think maybe people were expecting, I personally wasn't, Caillou Kelly's name was not on there. The Ravens were not awarded any waiver claims, but they did lose one person to waivers, and that was Caillou Kelly, who got claimed by the Seattle Seahawks. Now, I had kind of warned everybody on you know yesterday's live stream and yesterday's show that it, it almost felt like Caillou Kelly was not going to come back. It felt like a fifth-round pick. I think a lot of people had him tabbed as a fourth rounder. I think when, when the Ravens drafted him, everybody, myself included, said, yeah, that's a value pick because of the round he was expected to go in. 
Kyle Kelly did not have a great training camp, not have a great preseason. The Ravens losing him does not mean that their Super Bowl is off and they have no shot to win a Super Bowl. But the decision to me is still weird that they kept Arthur Millette over Caillou Kelly. And again, my speculation is that the Ravens just wanted a veteran slot option and Millette was that guy. And Millette even talked about it himself yesterday. He felt blessed that he made the team because he was injured with the shoulder thing for most of the preseason. I'm not sure I trust Millette right now. We'll see. Hopefully it works out. But for Caillou Kelly, the fifth round has not been super kind to Eric DaCosta. And again, I will make the point. You probably heard it yesterday. If you listen, probably heard it two days ago. For Isaac Newsom and Eric DaCosta, the difference, or one of them, is that Eric DaCosta is willing to cut more of his draft picks earlier on in the process. And the fifth round, which I did put out yesterday, has been almost a nightmare zone. I will give Eric DaCosta credit. He's had a very, I'd say, solid, some hits, some misses. I'd say it's a solid overall draft record. But the fifth round has not been a good round for him. 2019, he drafted Dayla Mack. He played in one game for the Ravens before being cut. 2021, he had three guys. Sean Wade, Dalen Hayes, and Ben Mason. Those three combined played in one game for the Ravens. Sean Wade traded before his rookie season. Dalen Hayes injury prone and unfortunately did not go great for him with the injuries. Then Ben Mason got cut before his rookie season too. And then Caillou Kelly also got cut before his rookie season. The only exception to this whole thing for Eric DaCosta in the fifth round is Brodzik Washington in 2020. He's played in 39 games, obviously got that well-earned extension. So Eric DaCosta is, is not afraid to, I guess, admit a mistake and, and let him go. Isaac Newsom was more, let's develop him, let's see what he is. And I think, again, both strategies, I don't think either one is more right or more wrong than the other. But in this situation, I would have rather kept Caillou Kelly. But I think one of the things the Ravens are wrestling with right now is they have to wrestle development with contention. For Baltimore, they already have Jalen Armour Davis on the roster, who's super young. Pepe Williams, they had to keep on the roster, even though he is also super young, but he has the ankle injury. He's probably going to go on IR. I think they can start doing that today. So I'd anticipate the Ravens moving guys to IR, like Keaton Mitchell, maybe him, Malik Ham, Tyler Huntley, uh, Pepe Williams, those guys. But it was going to be hard for the Ravens to keep all those developmental pieces and feel like they had enough with Marlon's absence. And I think part of it probably had to do with the fact that Marlon's going to be out for however long. We don't really know the timeline. The fact that Pepe's going to be out, too. I think the Ravens just wanted more slot experience. Now, again, would Millette be my pick there? No, I think there were a couple of guys cut. Now, Desmond King actually was – what was he signed? Yeah, he signed with the Steelers. So that was a guy I had in my radar. Now we get – you know, Ravens fans, Ravens got to root against them twice a year and play against them twice a year. So there's that. But Bradley Roby's still out there at the time of this recording. I would prefer him to Millette. But Caillou Kelly, I would have liked to see him stay with the team and develop a little bit, but that's what they were wrestling with. Can you contend with Jalen Armour Davis, Pepe Williams, Ardarius Washington, Caillou Kelly, and expect, you know, Marlon Humphrey to stay healthy the full season, Rakasina stay healthy the full season, Ronald Arby to stay healthy the whole season, I think Baltimore just wanted to add veteran insurance. Do I think it was the right decision to keep Millette over Caillou Kelly? No, I don't. But here we are now in the Ravens. They do add a couple of secondary guys to their practice squad in Jeremy Lucian, who has that safety corner versatility. And that's actually it right now. There are no other corners. Well, actually, Daryl Worley. I forgot to mention. That was the tenant of practice squad before Melvin Gordon and Daryl Worley were added back. So 15 players, including Melvin Gordon and Daryl Worley. I apologize. I forgot to mention those guys. I was looking at uh, an older version of the practice squad a couple hours before Gordon and Worley were added. So they have one more spot. 
it's going to be interesting to see what they do. I think a lot of people want to see Dante Demas on there. I would not mind that at all. James Perche is another option. I don't expect him back though. Kristen Welch, maybe they did. They do have Josh Ross on there. So do they want to keep two? Do they want to keep two inside linebackers? I don't necessarily know if they do. Uh, you know, only two wide receivers right now in Laquan Treadwell and Sean Ryan. Do they want to opt for a third? Would it be between? I think the three the three people it is probably between. Well, maybe four. I would probably say it's between James Perche, Dante Demas, uh, Angelo Blackton, the defensive lineman, and Kristen Welch. That's probably my bet. I think it's it's amazing the Ravens were able to, able to keep Travis Vokalek. I think that's so huge for them that he's back on their practice squad. Really glad they got Jeremiah Moon back. And this is what I'm talking about where with the depth that they have right now on the practice squad, I think this is a really good practice squad. And you you have a nice balance of veterans and young guys where I don't think you're too young, but you're, you're not too old in this situation where Baltimore can say that if they need to call up Laquan Treadwell for a week to give them that big body wide receiver target, they can. If Pastor Ricard goes down, they can call up Ben Mason. They need a fourth tight end. They got Travis Vokalek there. Sam Mustafer's extra center depth, which is great. They have Anthony Brown if they need to call up a third quarterback or I guess a fourth, depending on what happens with Tyler Huntley and IR on game day. Again, reportedly, I think they can bring back Josh Johnson and Kevon Seymour. And who was the third one they were going to bring back? And Brent Urban, excuse me, Brent Urban back. Those three guys probably getting back on the roster today. So they have a, a lot of options. Melvin Gordon, if they need a veteran running back, they want to bring up a guy there. Melvin Gordon can be that guy. Daryl Worley with that corner safety versatility as a veteran. So the practice squad, I think, and the way the practice squad rules work, the expanded practice squad, Baltimore's used that to their advantage by not going too developmental heavy or too veteran heavy on it. They have a nice balance where you still want to develop guys on the practice squad. We've seen guys contribute and earn really big roles on the Ravens and on other NFL teams because of that. So I'm really excited for who the Ravens have added. Again, I wish Kyle Kelly was able to be back in Baltimore, but Seattle sees something there. And the, the last corner from Stanford for Seattle seemed to uh, work out pretty well over there, huh? One Mr. Richard Sherman. So I, I think that there is potential for Kyle Kelly, but Baltimore had to weigh that competitiveness that they have to go with this year in the developmental aspect of things. And I think they went with the competitiveness and just getting them the veteran option on the team, but so much to talk about still unlocked on Ravens. Talk about Odo Beckham Jr. What he had to say about the Ravens Super Bowl aspirations, John Harbaugh and more. It's one to talk about here on Locked on Ravens. But first, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. And get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can bet on everything from the spreads to player props and more so if you want Lamar Jackson player props, maybe Odell Beckham, you don't want to bet the over on touchdowns, Zay Flowers offensive rookie of the year. You can do all that over at FanDuel. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel official partner of the NFL. We're back here, our second segment of Locked On Ravens. Kevin Allshaker still here with you, Thursday style. I appreciate you being here with me as we round out or get closer, at least to rounding out the week. The Ravens made their roster cuts on Tuesday. Practice squad finalizations almost, at least 15 out of 16 on Wednesday. But Odo, in the midst of this, Odo Beckham Jr. had some high praise for the Ravens. Talked with Rich Eisen and had some really nice thing to say about the organization as a whole. So, he ended up talking about the Ravens Super Bowl aspirations and said a lot about just what he feels this Ravens team can ultimately do this season. He said, quote, I'll tell you this. I don't think that there's a missing piece here or a piece missing here to where this team can't be competing for a championship. And he said, look, 
He's been around a Super Bowl team. He's been around teams that obviously haven't done that. <laughs> There's been some dysfunction on some teams he's been on. But I think for a veteran like Odell, someone who is a Super Bowl champion and showed out in that Super Bowl, contributed to the Rams in winning that ring, he's somebody that I think word his word carries. It has a lot of weight. And the fact that Odell says this, and I know there were some reservations. I think there were rumors and reports that Odell wanted to go to the Jets, and the Jets were his preferred destination, wanted to go play with Aaron Rodgers over there. But the way that Odell Beckham has embraced Baltimore culture, he's embraced the team, embraced the city, I think it's gone really, really well so far. And obviously, I, I would hope that continues both because I want Odell to be in the best situation for himself. I want the Ravens to be in the best situation for themselves. And part of that is the fact that there are some void years tacked on the end of that deal where if the Ravens don't extend him, then they're going to have to be paying up some money over the next four seasons. So that's one aspect of it. But it seems like Odell's enjoying his time right now. He enjoys being with Lamar, enjoys being around the guys and Rashad Bateman and Zay Flowers and everything. And feels like there's something special. And Josina Anderson, who's very plugged in with the Ravens, she tweeted out, I think it was yesterday, that you know she's she covered the Eagles a lot last year. And there was something about that team that felt like there was something special there. And she said that it feels that way with Baltimore this year. And a huge congrats to Josina, actually, who's going to be uh, going on, on FS1 with Skip Bayless and being on that undisputed crew. So that's a big thing for her. But she's been very plugged into the Ravens this offseason, gave great analysis on the Lamar Jackson extension and a lot of insight on that. And it has just been generally plugged in around the Ravens. And I think the Ravens are getting more attention this year. And I know that the Ravens are a team that likes to have the target off of their back, or at least in, throughout history. The Ravens, if you go back to like the late 2000, like, like, Early 2000s, they knew like the Ravens defense was hard hitting and everything. And, you know, that defense had the target on their back for sure. Then you get to the later 2000s, early 2010s, even mid 2010s. And the Ravens were that like underdog team that would make the wild card round every or would like make the playoffs as a wild card team and then go to the AFC championship or just run teams out of the water in the playoffs that no one expected them to win. I mean, if you remember when the Ravens had that Super Bowl run, they beat Andrew Luck's Colts. Now, I think Colt, well, Luck was a rookie that year, right, for the Colts. But then Peyton Manning and the number one seed Broncos, where they had to go through Manning and Wes Walker and Demarius Thomas and Eric Decker and that incredible Broncos team. And then they had to go to Foxborough and beat Tom Brady. And if you remember, every single week, it was the Ray Lewis retirement parties happening this Sunday. You don't want to miss it because man, man is going to eliminate him and, and Brady's going to eliminate him and everything. And then the Ravens had a historic run. The Ravens, I think this year, Lamar Jackson has star power. You know, like Joe Flacco, when you think about Joe Flacco and some of the guys, obviously like Ray Lewis and Ed Reed, and yes, those guys were stars and celebrities, right? And then they retired and they left the Ravens. And I don't think the Ravens had that star power and for Lamar, for Odell Beckham, those guys are not just NFL stars and like popular ones, but they are just huge celebrities, like just in the sports world, in the in the regular world, too. Like it feels like there is so much star power around Baltimore that there is beginning to be more cameras and more microphones. And I think we're going to see that because of Lamar's star presence and Odell's star presence. But what comes with that is they're two really good football players. Like it's not just like they didn't, they have the status for no reason. They're really good at what they do and they have an aura around them. I think Zay Flowers also has an aura, by the way. So we'll see how that turns out for him. 
but it feels like with Odell, he feels like this team right now can compete. He feels like this team right now has the pieces. There's, he says there's not one missing piece that says that they cannot compete for a Super Bowl. Now, he didn't go say, oh, yeah, we're going to win it, right? I think you, you can't go that far because you don't know what's going to happen in the season. Obviously, it looks great on paper, and we saw it in the preseason, but we actually didn't really see it in the preseason because they didn't play their starters. So once Lamar hits the field, once Odell hits the field, and all the starters for the guys, it's going to be a whole different story for them. And he also talked about John Harbaugh and the operation that he called it, the operation that John Harbaugh runs in Baltimore. He said, I texted Harbs the other day, you run a world-class operation around here called being with the Ravens a breath of fresh air. And this is stuff we have heard before. We know that the Ravens are a team that if you're a veteran and you want to go to a good organization who's going to treat you right, treat your family right, and have you play competitive football unless crazy things happen like injuries or just something out of the ordinary – it is the place to go. We've heard over years and, and years and years and years, the Ravens are a place for that. Odo Beckham Jr. is the latest player to say these things about the team. And it feels like the, the acclimation period for Odell, he's ramping up physically. He's already embraced the city, as I talked about. It feels like Odell and the aura around him, the aura around the team. We've talked about the vibe so much throughout the course of the last couple of months with Greg Roman being gone. Tom Lincoln coming in, the offense. It, it feels like everybody likes each other. Like, it doesn't feel like there are any weird tension points like there were with Greg Roman. And I'm, I'm not trying to throw Greg Roman under the bus or anything, but I just think that with what the Ravens have right now, it's it just feels different. Last year, the vibes didn't feel right. And I had said that even before the season started. I said it throughout the entire season, and especially when John Harbaugh started calling out Greg Roman publicly, when Lamar Jackson got frustrated. And again, Lamar's a all these guys are competitors, and I think that's what brings them together. I know there were all those crazy discourses about, oh, Lamar threw his helmet. Oh, he's so toxic. And I'm I'm like, no, can we not do this, please? <laughs> like, it, it is the one of the weirdest things I've ever heard to have Lamar be a competitor and get frustrated that things aren't going right. That's not being toxic. That's being a competitor. We know Odell's a competitor. We know Rashad Bateman's a competitor. We know J.K. Dobbins is a competitor. Patrick Queen is a competitor. I can, I can go on and on and on and on and on. The whole team wants to compete and wants to win. And we know, I, I can't remember when it was. Might have been 2020, might have been 2021. All this team talked about it was Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl. But we don't really like we know the Ravens have that goal this year, but they're not really saying it feels like they're working more in silence. Because I remember, you know, Willie Sneed would talk about it. Marquise Brown would talk about it. And Lamar would talk about it. And they would always mention, hey, we want to go out there. We want to do this. We want to win the Super Bowl. But this year, it feels like they just, they just want to work in silence, let the play speak for itself and see what happens. So Odell's words carry weight. And the fact that he's already acclimating here and he feels this way that the Ravens are a breath of fresh air. He's He's been through a little bit in his career in terms of being on teams that weren't necessarily the uh, the healthiest place to be, mainly uh, the, the Browns. And I know the Giants had some weird things going on. But I think he's in a place now in his career where he could he could go for fit. And I think in Todd Munkin's offense, he had already obviously been in it with, with the Browns. And when Todd Munkin was there calling plays, it felt, it feels like Odell made the right decision. I know, again, there was a discourse about the jets, but I think Odell made the right decision. The contract, again, if you look at the contract one year, 18 million or one year, 15 up to 18, is that an overpay? Sure. But I think it was a necessary one that gets you hopefully a, a low end wide receiver, one high end wide receiver two. And that is a necessary overpay. And if Odo puts up a thousand yards, a thousand two hundred yards, then we can talk about it as maybe, hey, 
this deal is a little better than we thought it was. So to me, hopefully he can step up and uh, be the guy and stay healthy. Health is a big thing, of course. But coming up in the final part of the show, we will talk about if the Ravens are done adding. Could they add someone from outside the organization? What could a trade look like? Who could get traded? on the Ravens if they go that route. So be sure to stay tuned. Lots to dive into on Locked on Ravens. We're back. Our final segment of Locked on Ravens. Kevin Allstriker is still here with you rounding out this Thursday episode. Again, thank you so much for being here with me. Making us your first listen each and every day here on Locked on Ravens. I say it every day because I really do appreciate it. Be sure to subscribe to notifications on audio form, video form, wherever you listen or watch. I really appreciate it. If, if you're watching in video form, I uh, I got the penguin shirt on today. I, I had uh, the, the crab shirt on a couple of days ago. Now I have the penguin shirt on. Penguins are the best bird. Uh, am I allowed to say that on a Raven show, actually? I mean, there isn't a penguin team in the NFL. I, I guess the Pittsburgh Penguins, and we don't like Pittsburgh, and these are actually Steelers called. Oh, man, I might, I might have made the wrong fashion choice on this show today, but it's okay. We'll get through it. Let, let's, let's talk Ravens. Let's talk if they're done adding right now and uh, take the attention off the Penguins. We actually have live fish in the background, too, so that's a little added bonus if you want to watch in video form. But audio form, you, you also can listen there, and it's, again, the same show. But are the Ravens done adding? I don't know. I think they feel confident in Arthur Millette, and we don't really know because we haven't seen the IRL moves yet, and that probably is going to happen today. So Pepe Williams, Tyler Huntley, Keaton Mitchell, Malik Ham, all names to watch there. But – if they add back Josh Johnson and Kevon Seymour and Brent Urban, like is reported to be happening, then if four guys go to IR, obviously they're, they're going to have an extra spot. If only three guys go and they're adding three guys back, then there's not going to be. And I feel like, again, with the Ravens liking Arthur Millette, I don't think they're going to cut him for Bradley Roby. Do I think they should? I would prefer that if I were the Ravens, but feels like they trust him and that's what it's going to be where Arthur Millette, might be their starting slot corner, which I, again, I said this yesterday, I'd be very disappointed in that because I think Ardarius Washington worked so hard and earned that job. And so if Arthur Millette, who was injured, came in and took that from him, I get the veteran experience thing, but I think Ardarius can actually do a better job than Arthur Millette. I'm a big Ardarius Washington guy, have been since his TCU days. So I'm hoping he gets the opportunity there. But I think slot corner is the, the position, or corner in general is the position they should be looking to add at. Because once Pepe goes on IR, you bring back Kevon Seymour, that's a one-for-one -one trade. But are you confident in the rest of the corner room? Because Marlon's going to miss some time. Again, we don't know how long, as, I, as I've kept saying, and everybody else has too. So Rocky Yassin, Ronald Darby, Kevon Seymour are essentially probably your top three guys with J.M. Armour Davis, Odarius Washington, and Arthur Millette. And again, who's going to start at slot corner between Washington and Millette? We'll see. Other positions they could like to add at, I don't really know. I don't think they really have to add anywhere else. They have non-offensive linemen. Maybe a trade for Ben Cleveland could happen if they want to move off of Ben Cleveland and put Sam Mustafer on the roster, but that doesn't really make a lot of sense because they put Ben Cleveland on there in the first place and just were able to bring Mustafer back. I think a guy that would make sense to be traded if teams like, again, the Broncos and the Colts only have like three wide receivers on their roster right now at the time of this recording. Devin DuVernay seems like a guy that could be traded. I don't, to be clear, I don't expect the Ravens to make a trade. I don't think it makes a ton of sense to do so for them, especially after they already had all these guys make the roster. But DuVernay is a guy that I know there's been a lot of discourse about what is his role going to be, his cap hit, which is a lot higher than a regular fourth year, third round rookie because of the fact that he has had multiple accolades, pro bowls, all pros, in terms of special teams and every time with the new contract, the rookie Stanley contract, just how rookie contracts work. Every time there's an accolade, the salary goes up, the cap hit goes up. So for Devin DuVernay, 
he hits those accolades and gets more money. But with the Ravens, him essentially being their fifth wide receiver behind Odo Beckham, Rashad Bateman, Zay Flowers, and Nelson Aguilar, do you want to pay your third round, fourth year wide receiver, what is it, three, four million dollars as the cap hit? Do you want to do that? Maybe he get traded to Denver. Maybe he could get traded to Indianapolis. I wouldn't be shocked actually to see James Prochet wind up on one of those teams. There hasn't been any official word on what he's going to do, whether he comes back to Baltimore's practice squad in that last spot or goes on the active roster somewhere else, we will see. But yeah, that's going to be interesting. But I wouldn't anticipate, like, I'm not, I'm not expecting Baltimore to make a move other than adding the three guys back. And then I think we can readdress maybe in a month because I think that's that's where Eric DaCosta evaluates. The first month of the season for him is, all right, let's see what we got. Where are the weaknesses? Where are the strengths? Where do we need to add? Where are we good at? And then he he works the phones. He tries to see if anybody's available on the free agent market. Not everybody who got cut is going to be signed. Maybe Bradley Roby's still out there in a month. And if the Ravens corner situation doesn't work and Marlon comes back and they just want more depth in the slot, maybe Arthur Millette isn't panning out. Maybe Ardarius Washington isn't ready yet. Then maybe they could bring in a guy like Bradley Roby and say, hey, this, this is another veteran option for a secondary. I'd expect Baltimore to work the phones trade deadline-wise too this year. So we'll see what that brings. That's not really until a month and a half, two months in to the regular season. So we're not talking like big trades right now, but I would also very early draft prediction from me. I'm expecting the Ravens to take, I'm expecting them to take a corner in the first round next year. I just, I just think they have invested too much And Jonah Schaefer of the Baltimore banner actually put out a, a very informative tweet about the Ravens corner situation. And he talked about, how the Ravens have had not a great history drafting recently these, you know, third, fourth, fifth round corners. 2023 was Caillou Kelly. 2022, J.R. Armour Davis and Pepe Williams. 2021, Brandon Stevens. 2021, Sean Wade. 2019, Iman Marshall. <laughs> Forgot about Iman Marshall, honestly. But yeah, it's not great, their track record. And of course, he noted that Brandon Stevens was drafted as a safety, but you know, played corner at SMU that was moved to safety, then corner safety. But regardless, the Ravens have not had that. So to me, just a mini tangent, I think that the Ravens will draft a corner in the first round, maybe second at the absolute latest if they still have that pick after the trade deadline because they need corners. Rock Yassi and Ronald, essentially Marlon Humphrey is the only guy you're, you're sure at right now. Even this year, we don't know how Rock Yassi is going to play yet. We don't know how Jalen Davis is going to play. We don't know how Ronald Darby is going to play, et cetera. After this, I mean, Rakia seems on a one-year deal. Ronald Darby's on a one-year deal. These guys aren't going to be around potentially next year. The Ravens need corner depth, and they need good guys to put in their corner room. That's what I expect. So are they done adding? I think they could maybe add a corner. Do I think they will? Do I think they'll make a big move here? I think everything's pretty much set for them. Again, this is a loyal organization. They're not just I, – I would be shocked. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I'd be pretty shocked – if they let a guy make the 53 and then turn around and say, oh, yeah, we're actually not going in this direction because we want to add someone else back. It's happened before, especially across the NFL. But again, I wouldn't bet on that happening. I, I would probably bet more on the Ravens going with what they have, reevaluating in a month and then reevaluating before the trade deadline, because that's what Eric DaCosta. Obviously, that's what worked in 2019. It's what worked for them even last year with Roquan Smith. They're always making moves. They're always trying to find ways to make their roster better. I'm not saying the Ravens aren't going to look at adding and making sure the roster is as good as it can be heading into week one in these next couple of days. But I wouldn't anticipate anything super, super big here for the Ravens. That's all I have for you here today, though. I'm Mike the Ravens. I appreciate you tuning in. Coming up tomorrow, I'll be rounding out the week. More Ravens kind of. So be sure to stay tuned for that. I'll see you right back here tomorrow on Lockdown Ravens.